Touchdown at 10 with Russell and Medhurst. Time to break down the biggest game of the year. So we do each and every Monday morning as our guy Jay Gruden joins us. Jay, how was the Super Bowl hors d'oeuvres and food for you yesterday afternoon? It was a good day. Lots of food, uh, good football game, and enjoyed the whole event. How much of it did you cook, Jay? Zero. <laughs> Jay, you, you know, at some point, Mrs. G is going to get a little testy that you don't contribute enough around the kitchen, you know? Well, we went to a party uh, oh. for the pregame, a big, you know, a big charity event party at an airport hangar. Um, went there till about six o'clock. Then I came back to my townhouse here. We walked to a local uh, sports bar, watched the first half, and then came back and watched the second half at the house. Oh, okay. So you didn't host per se a Super Bowl party. All right. Well, no, that, heck no. That gets you. <laughs> you, can't, you can't get people out of your house. Uh, you know? th- well, that's true. Imagine if I showed up at your house, Jay. Yeah, you'd still be here. <laughs> and I and I'd eat all your food. I was going to say, right, Jay, exactly. you, wouldn't, hey, you wouldn't have to worry about cleaning up because Russell would take care of it all. <laughs> um, speaking of taking care of it all, uh, I love the response from James Bradbury, Jay, on the call uh, at the end of the game. Uh, very few times will you see a player simply take accountability. Uh, they'll try to complain about it, talk about the timing of the call. Uh, I, I give him a hell of a lot of credit, Jay, for stepping up and talking about that because obviously it allowed the Chiefs to close the game out uh, in, in that situation. Just overall seeing a player uh, just stepping up and being accountable to the world in a situation like that. Yeah, I mean, that's good on his point because he did pull a jersey. I mean, he didn't have to. He was in a great position. His body was in, in front of the defender. He didn't have to tug the jersey at all. And unfortunately, he did tug the jersey, and that's what the referee saw. Uh, it shouldn't matter the time of the game, uh, the, the situation of the game. If it's a hold, it should be called. If it's not a hold, it should be called. You know, very similar to the, the one Washington had against the Giants where they didn't call it. Well, it's a critical situation. We're not going to make that call. Well, you got to make the call if it's a holding call. And, and that's I think that's what happened. And that's exactly one of the things we were talking about earlier is, you know, everybody wants consistency out of the officiating. And I say it's almost impossible to expect consistency the way we want it. Okay, maybe you could have it a little bit more crew to crew, game to game, call to call, situation to situation. But I don't know if any of these officials, Jay, and and maybe you as a former head coach have a different view. So we'll ask. I don't know if any of them are sitting there like, ah, you know, uh, I'm not going to call this because it's third and eight, and it's Juju Smith Schuster, and you know, you know, uh, and it might determine the Super Bowl. I I I, I think. Like, logically, they understand we're late in the game, and maybe they certainly are noticing down in distance and situation and potential impact. But I think they, by and large, call a penalty that they determine as a penalty, and there's such a subjective nature to it that people then add, oh, well, well, they shouldn't have called it in this particular spot. They have a hard enough time making the call, and whether it, the subjectivity is clearly what they see, never mind the situation that they call it in. Yes, they should not be looking at the situation. They should be looking at the call. Is it holding? Is it pass interference? Is it uh, roughing a passer? Whatever it might be. You got to throw the flag if it's a legitimate call. What you see, if it's not clear and it's not 
uh, doesn't hit your eyeballs the correct way and you may not see the entire play, then you shouldn't call the penalty. But I think that play where the referees were standing, you could see the tug of the jersey, and that's hold. Yeah, and, and Jay, I think, the, as I told Chris earlier in the show, you know, what is a penalty to one field judge, you know, at times is not a penalty to another field judge. There are there are field judges, back judges, side judges that let defensive backs get away with more uh, than than some other officials do. And a lot of times, uh, I think simply you still have some older officials that are letting guys do the advantage-disadvantage principle. Did, was the offensive player put at a disadvantage? No. Okay, so I'm not going to call that. I still think there's some of that going on out there. And unfortunately, I think that is what raises a lot of the inconsistency in one of the more... I mean, let's face it, one-on-one matchups are, are you know getting fewer and far between uh, in the game, but that's, that's the one time where we do see it uh, in, in situations like that. I just think there's still too much subjectivity uh, from one official to the next. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. You watch it from, from game level. Do you see the same thing? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think people get calls that they're, are good players. They're no different than the NBA or Major League Baseball. Pitchers, great pitchers may get a strike zone a little bit bigger than average pitchers with no names. And great NBA players will get the foul call as opposed to a, a free agent who nobody knows is not going to get the call. So uh, no different for quarterbacks getting roughing the passer call or great receivers getting the holding call. I think there's such a human element uh, in referees that um, that's going to take place. Absolutely. Jay Gruden with us for a final time this year. We appreciate all of his contributions each and every Monday with us during Touchdown at 10. Russell and Medhurst on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. Um, all right, so moving on, one of the things we got into late last hour that bled into your spot with us here, so we ask you, is in, in the spot where Kansas City and McKinnon slides down, I have like an old school approach. I'm almost like, you know what? Take the points if you can get them and take your chances that way. I realize everyone else thinks differently. I imagine you're a a, a progressive thinker in this category that, that McKinnon did the right thing and shouldn't have scored and therefore killed the rest of the clock and Kansas City took their chances with the field goal kicker, even though field goal kickers are terrible and wretched and awful and miss every kick that's important. This kid didn't. <laughs> Butker didn't make it. I, I mean, he made it. Um, so I, are you in that category or are you in the score when you can category? I think if you were trailing, you score when you can. But if you have the tie, if you're tied up in that situation, you go down and run the clock out and, okay. and count on your field goal kicker. You know, I think it's a lot different. You know, so... If I was down six, uh, I'd score, obviously, kick the extra point uh, probably. But um, in a tie game, I think they did the right thing. Okay, I that agree. makes sense. I agree. That's two on one. I, that means I win because <laughs> Jay and I <laughs> are on the same side of the wait argument. Wait a second. Just because Jay t- – no, see, Jay had a layer of context. That's you what know, I said, though. No, uh, You just said kill the clock and trust your field goal kicker. Jay was like, hey, if you're down, you score. Right, but in this, that yeah. situation, in a tie game, you All do right. what they did. Okay. okay. Jay, to get to a tie game, though, second half – um, Andy Reid's brilliance was on display. I guarantee you, you're going to see some concepts they showed in the second half there, uh, run by a lot of other teams in the NFL uh, coming up next season. Not only once, but twice, Jay, one on one side of the field, one on the other. Uh, I thought it was a unique concept. They used the momentum of the DB going against him uh, in that situation. I, I just thought it was brilliance, but obviously great execution by Kansas City's offense in the second half against what's been a very good defense all season. 
Yeah, for sure. And they had to get the right coverage. You know, they had to get man-to-man, and otherwise, if it was zone coverage, they would have had a corner sitting right out there. It would have been a no play. Uh, but they did get the man-to-man, and, and the defensive back played with bad eyes and had to haul ass and think he was running across the field and mm-hmm. and, uh, and and lost sight of him. And as a defensive back, you can't lose sight of your receiver when he's in motion, when he's not in motion, whatever. you got to keep your eyes on your guy. In both cases, they lost sight of they lost vision, and uh, you can't do that as a DB. So, like, when, when you bring up, and it's an important note, that they've got to get the right coverage, right? Uh, and and if they get zoned, they're kind of, that's not going to work as effectively or work at all versus man. Is that something, like, maybe early in the game in a goal line type situation, they ran another concept and another play and saw, oh, okay, the Eagles are playing man in inside the five yard line or inside the three yard line, so we expect to get that if we run this in the second half, or is that just something that you throw out there the first time and it works, and then you say, well, we're going to go back to it and see if we can sucker them again the second time. Well, I think those plays that are clearly man beaters, you only call versus man, and formationally, you can know if it's man or zone, uh, if tight ends in a certain situation, a safety down on them or running backs outside and a linebacker goes out there with them, you know it's man or zone. If it's zone coverage, you can the play and, and run another play, whether mm-hmm. it's uh, you know an RPO or whatever it might be, uh, the simple play that they would have can to it. So um, there's ways to get known man beaters versus man as opposed to, hey, let's call it gotcha. man beater. And, oh, crap, they're dropping eight and playing zone. Oh, we're dead. You know what I mean? So you want to try to utilize your man beaters when it's man to man and then save those man beaters for another time if it's zone. Jay, it's a team that obviously had a tremendous weapon in previous years where they could literally get it to Tyreek Hill anywhere on the field. He could turn it into a gigantic uh, play at any time. This year, they didn't necessarily have that element. What, was, there, was there something subtle that Andy did instead, or what was the reason why they were able to still find uh, the point production, the execution, and really doing it with a handful of different new receivers, uh, albeit with still maybe the greatest quarterback we have active in the game right now, Patrick Mahomes. Well, there you have it. Yeah, the greatest quarterback and probably arguably the greatest tight end uh, to play. So those two guys were obviously critical in the success of the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, Patrick Mahomes' ability to make plays uh, in the pocket and outside the pocket or like nobody else in the NFL, really. I mean, I mean, seriously, you can rush him and he can escape and uh, you can cover a play. You can match the zones with their route concepts. and He can escape and find guys in second and third windows. His arm angle changes. Uh, you can have the perfect defense called against this, against the play that they're running and still give up a 40-yard play because of Mahomes' ability to create. And, uh, you know, and, and, then, and then you got Andy Reid factor with his ability to make – guys wide open in certain situations like they did twice in that game. Um, then you got the great tight end and matchup problems uh, that, that you can't cover. Them. Jay, guys like Kelsey, guys like Gronkowski, they're not 4-3-40 guys. What, why still do they get open? What is it about their route concepts that get them open at such a still wide uh, rate in terms of how many you know, times they win uh, their matchup? Well, uh, like I said, in zone they can win. Obviously, they know the zones. Uh, they're great in and out of cuts. Um, they don't telegraph their routes. They have strong hands. They have big body, great catch radius. And then they have a great route tree that the coaches give them. Uh, New England had a great route tree, route tree for the tight ends. Um, obviously, there's a great route tree for Travis Kelsey. 
Uh, when Jordan Reed was at his peak, we gave Jordan Reed a lot of situations, a lot of possible uh, formations where he could succeed on option routes. And uh, you couldn't be right as a defense. Uh, you play man-to-man. We felt like we had the matchup. You play zone coverage. We'll defeat the zone. And it's very hard when you have a good tight end. And that's why the teams that are successful, a lot of them have a great tight end. You saw Dallas Goddard make some big plays mm-hmm. yesterday at the tight end position. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's just a very difficult position to guard when you have a good tight end. And uh, great tight ends make successful offenses a lot easier. Jay, the the Eagles' vaunted pass rush had exactly zero sacks last night. I don't know how many pressures they had. It didn't feel like they had a lot. Uh, like, if you're Jonathan Gannon, should you – like, they don't blitz a lot in Philly, right? Um, I, I think he's got the most sacks, least press, uh, blitz, whatever uh, percentage. Like, should should they have done more, especially, again, with Mahomes a little bit – compromise when things were unraveling in that second half? Because I, I look back and I say, well, the AFC Championship last year, Luna Anarumo got dominated in the first half and then was great cranking up the pressure, especially on third down against Mahomes in the second half and in overtime. And we know what happened in the Super Bowl the last time Mahomes was there. So did Gannon and the Eagles make a mistake fundamentally by not, again, putting heat on and, and then by design, by Mahomes, if it wasn't working naturally? Well, I think you have to be able to match up with Kelsey in that situation. I think they, you know, the first touchdown Kelsey had was man-to-man, and Kelsey ran a little out and up and was right. wide open. And, and Gannis probably like, jeez, we got to play Against more zones Epps, and let's yeah. rush forward. Let's, yeah. let's do what we do. Let's get pressure with our four guys. I really do think, though, the field had a lot to do with the pass rush mm. um, and slowing them down. Uh, you could see Hassan Reddick was on the ground a lot. Uh, and, and interior guys were not being able to like push off their their. I don't know. It just looked like they were slow in the game for some reason. And and I read a couple things that the field did have an impact on the pass yeah. rushers, and it, and it does because hmm. you got to be able to turn that corner. And uh, if you can't turn the corner effectively, if you're going to slip and fall, that really takes away from your ability to rush the pass. You know, that's a good point. I didn't think about it from the. I mean, we all know the field was a disaster. I didn't think about it from a pass rush perspective. I, but the one thing I kept thinking about last night is somehow that field made FedEx Field look like a palace. <laughs> yeah, it sure did. <laughs> yeah, I know a lot Jay, of the. Jay, Jay knows nothing yep. about that, right? You know, ne- you never saw anybody slip on a divot or anything like that at at, at palatial FedEx Field over your five plus years, huh? No, no, it was always perfect. Yeah, I know some of the Eagles uh, in the first half had changed to a, a longer cleat or even uh, new shoes, uh, different shoes altogether, uh, and you saw guys slipping all over the place, and that's a field they've been growing for the last year and a half uh, with this special new saw. They rolled it all in just to get some sunshine on it during the course of the week, and obviously it, it had a great effect in the game. Jay Gruden, our guest. Jay, on the other side, uh, if anybody had any questions remaining about Jalen Hurts, uh, do you feel like he answered those last night? Because I thought, uh, even in defeat, I thought he was very good for his football team outside of the one fumble. Yeah, everybody talked about the schedule that they played. It was kind of weak and, and all that stuff. But you can't control who you play. His his effectiveness throughout the season, I think, answered all those questions. And then he verified it last night with his play. The one turnover was unfortunate, slipped out of his hands. Uh, but he was he was awesome, man. Running mm-hmm. the football, throwing the football. Uh, he proves it. Uh, he was the best quarterback in the NFC this year. The best quarterback in the NFC actually won the game. The MVP won the game. But those two guys are special players, and they're going to be a problem for a lot of years. I wouldn't want to be in their division. What did you make of the call that wiped away the second Kansas City 
defensive touchdown by Bolton on the uh, little swing route, or, or I guess you would call that a swing yeah. route, in, into the right flat. Did you like that call, not like that? How did you see that? Yeah, I think that was the right call. I think it's uh, one, two, and then you got to make a third, like mm-hmm. a, a, a step, and he a didn't get the third move. one down. So yeah. football move, he didn't get the football move. That was a bang-bang play, and I think that was actually the right call. Yeah, I, I agree I agree with you. I actually – I actually thought the officials got everything right in terms of, you know, we spent so much time talking about the holding call, which I, I had no problem with live and what have you. But I, like the uh, that call, uh, I thought it was the correct reversal. I thought the sideline play with Goddard was a good, uh, you know, when Andy challenged, I thought that was fine challenge, but I thought they made the right call in upholding that. Uh, and earlier in the game, there was uh, another call along the sideline uh, near the first half that that they took away a 35-yard gap. And actually, that maybe had an, a bigger impact on the game than people uh, realize. Um, one last thing out of me, uh, and, and then I'll let people finish up. The Eagles, Jay, I mean, clearly they were not the same offense. And we talk about their defense falling apart in the second half. They were not the same offense in the second half. They had 270 net yards in the first half and only a hundred and I think it was 143, I counted, in the second half. They run tempo by design. Uh, they are quick. They are on you. They do the quarterback sneak thing. They go for it on almost every fourth down. When that offense is humming and they're not turning the ball over, I don't want to say they're impossible to stop, but they're damn near impossible to stop. Yeah, I mean, the third ones, are they're a joke. You can't stop them. Jalen Hurst squats 600 pounds, and they put two big guys behind him and just push the pile. I, mean, I don't know how you stop that. But, uh, yeah, they're effectively because they can hit you a lot of different ways. The quarterback designed runs uh, you have to prepare for. Um, you have to prepare for the zone reads. You have to prepare for the RPOs. You have to prepare for A.J. Brown and – uh, the other uh, receivers are Dallas Goddard, and uh, they're, they're, they have great players at critical positions. And uh, and the running game matches with the passing game and the play action, so tough team to stop. Jay, last one for me. In theory, when your quarterback signs his big deal, that's supposed to be the end of your franchise, uh, theoretically, in terms of roster building. Kansas City's not going anywhere, are they? No, not as long as they have that quarterback, they'll be fine. You know, they obviously have shown that they can take away great players at the skill positions like Tyreek Hill and replace them with other guys and still be successful. But I think the key, like I said before, you take Travis Kelsey out of that lineup, then I think that's a significant change right there. I don't know if they'd be quite the same, but uh, whenever you have a quarterback that can ad-lib and do the things that Patrick Mahomes can do, you're going to be competitive no matter who you put out there with him. All right, proverbial gun to your head. Quick, uh, Eric the enemy. He's not getting the Indianapolis job. Who knows what the hell they're doing in Arizona. Is he going to Baltimore, Washington, or staying in Kansas City, in your opinion? Well, in my opinion, he'd be crazy to leave uh, Kansas City. He's got great job security there. He's got a great quarterback. Um, if Andy Reid chooses to retire, I'm sure he'd be first in line to get that job. Uh, that would be my choice if I were Eric Bannemi. Now, if I wanted to branch off and see if I could make my own way and not be an Andy Reid's shadow, which I don't think that really matters. I think everybody knows who Andy or Eric Bannemi is. I think he's done a great job. Andy Reid credited him last night after the in the post game comments. If I were to choose, I'd go to a place with a little bit more stability. I'd take Baltimore. I have Lamar Jackson if they get him signed. Uh, Harbaugh's not going anywhere for a while. I think the uncertainty here with Sam Howell at quarterback and, and Ron Revere and a new ownership, I think would scare me a little bit. I mean, it could be a one-and-done type deal, and that's not something that would be appealing to me if I have uh, options on the table. Uh, but Washington's a great place, and uh, 
who knows? Maybe he'll choose Washington. Go enjoy being Scotty Scheffler on the golf course for the next six or seven months, my friend. That guy, yes, I will. I'm trying to get to that level. I'm not there yet. Dude, that guy had big stones on that putt yesterday uh, to uh, clean up the waste management, man. I don't know how they do it, Hoss, and I try just like they do, just like you do. That was a big yeah. one from Scotty Scheffler yesterday. Jay, thanks for doing this all year. We appreciate you, pal. You got it. Anytime, let me know. You got it. Jay Gruden, our guest, as he has been all year long. Wrapping up our Super Bowl conversation. We'll get to you now. It's your chance to weigh in. 301-230-0980 over the next 90 minutes. Your thoughts on the call, your thoughts on the game, commercials, broadcasters, anything about last night's Super Bowl 57. Let's bring it to the table. By the way, Kime reporting. Washington has indeed this morning at least put in the request to uh, interview Eric Bieniemy. The question is, will he take them up on the offer? That is probably the next storyline to wrap up as it pertains to the commanders in this NFL season before the start of the league year, which is a month of a month away from right now. It's Russell and Medhurst. We're at halftime on a Monday morning show right here on the Team 980 and streaming live for free on the Odyssey app. Now my co-host is trying to make me incredibly hungry. He's already thrown down a Powerade. And what is that? That's potato chips on top of something. Yeah, it's uh, so I made uh, some barbecue meatballs last night in the crock pot. And uh, then I made a cream cheese Mexican style dip with hot Italian sausage, Mexican cheese. And uh, I decided to go for a little curveball, a layer of refried beans seasoned refried beans on top of the cream and then you bake it all together until it gets golden bubbly so i decided to bring it in for the crew and um of course i decided to help myself because <laughs> yes. i had breakfast it smells good i'll give you credit uh so yeah i'm just gonna eat uh, in between uh in between points here. Uh, thanks to Jay Gruden, obviously, for joining us not only today, but all year. I yep. uh, hope you guys enjoy that. I know some of you, for whatever reason, have this ridiculous uh, assertion that we shouldn't talk to Jay every week because he's not important, because he knows nothing, because he was a failed head coach here. Uh, I have no idea what you people are, are thinking of. Um, you, you, please go kick all the rocks. Uh, please uh, understand that, uh, you know, listen. I, I would love to talk to Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera is not available to come on and talk to the local media. I mean, true statement. R- R- I mean, Ron Rivera does his media tour, but it's for all the national outlets in a lot of cases. I am a local FM DJ. All right, right. So here's I the mean, record. I mean, if you want, right, right after you, Ron Rivera, if you want the current Redskins uh, Commanders head coach, I, don't blame us. We've asked. We've asked. Uh, sorry that he's the former Redskins head coach, but he was here for five and a half years. Uh, but if, but the, again, Chris, his credentials about talking about football. Yeah. His credentials of talking about football again, are as good as anybody. Right. People are absurd, and I, I get mad whenever I see criticism. It's the same people who only root for the uniform and have right. no idea who the players are inside right. the uniform. I mean, that, that's what it comes down to. 301-230-0980. Let's get to the phones. Let you be the star. The rest of the show, your thoughts on Super Bowl 57 that goes to the Chiefs, 
35. We'll start things off on line one. Ladies first. Sabah, what's up? Hey, guys. Um, I, for one, love Jay Gruden's interviews. So keep that up. Thanks, is it, is Doc. It over for sure? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, perfect. I mean, for this year, I mean, we'll you know bring him back oh, if he doesn't man. get a job. Well, you know, there's gonna be a lot of drama and free agent, all that kind of stuff. You can give us analysis about you know uh, the draft. He's a really good scout, and I think there's a lot, a lot of stuff you guys can talk to him about. Well, here's the deal. Um, yeah, we'll we'll probably have him on during that time. But okay. it, so when I say done for the year, meaning on a regular every Monday basis, is what I mean. I got. You. I got you. I got you. All right. Well, that's cool. And and I also made barbecue turkey meatballs in a crock pot. Uh, Chris, the great minds think alike. Yeah. That's my yearly tradition. People love them. And how, I have some how do, how do you with make, the jalapenos and some without. How do you make them? Mm-hmm. Do you just, um, you just, uh, you, you do the actual turkey meat yourself, roll it in, in like by hand, or do you buy them frozen, or what do you do? Yeah. No, no, no. I go to BJ's and buy the uh, turkey meatballs in the big bag. Frozen. Okay. You and know, then you dump them. And then you dump them, dump in, them with in with the barbecue the, uh, sauce. Barbecue and, sauce yep. in the crock pot, and then I'll do half that way and half with jalapenos. That a girl. You know, right. I, I, didn't do, like I didn't do any jalapenos uh, in there. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, I just do it with the barbecue sauce. And then the trick is yeah. because the barbecue sauce is so thick, you have to actually mm-hmm. run, or I yes. do, you have to run I water through the bottle of barbecue sauce to kind of yeah. thin it out Take a little bit. Take it up and pour it back in there. Right, yes, exactly. That's what I do. So it's about a one-to-one ratio. Yep. Uh, sometimes I put a little bit more extra, like yep. a maybe, uh, eight, maybe like a eighty twenty percent something like go. that. You know, or, yeah. So yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I usually have a cater though. Uh, people bring stuff over and they have it all designed up. Uh, that's my thing. I do the super party. But this year, um, the catering company said that uh, they're opening an ice cream store, so they're going to grand open that on Super Bowl Sunday, and they weren't catering, so. I had to make other arrangements, but uh, I thought that was odd. Why would you pick Super Bowl Sunday to go open an ice cream store? So, whatever. <laughs> that is kind of weird. <laughs> it is a little strange. But, um, so, um, my observations, you know, uh, someone called in Kevin this morning saying that I was annoying because I said that, uh, you know, uh, Jalen Hurts is uh, not that much better than Taylor Heineke. And um, I still maintain that. I think Jalen Hurts ran. More than he threw. And my uh, secretary this morning, actually, when I was talking to her about the game, she's like, well, who was the quarterback of Philly? I just saw that they had a running back. She literally said that. She did not know he was a quarterback. Because every time she looked up at the screen, he was running. So, uh, anyhow. I mean, well, I mean, I mean he was running the, in short yardage. Yeah, I mean, he was running by design I mean, also. He, he threw 38 times. How many times did we want him I to throw? No, no, no. Here's my point. His passes weren't any super-duper great. I mean, the things we criticized Taylor for, we could have criticized him for. That pass to Smith, they should have been a touchdown. It was underthrown and, and a little bit outside, and he fell out of bounds. We killed Taylor for that. The, the, the deep pass he had was from the what, 45-yard line. Taylor did that against Green Bay. No one cared. I mean, the point is, and he just fumbles. The fumble. He wasn't hardly touched when he fumbles. Oh, my God, if Taylor did that, that's all we talk about. But now it's like, well, he was Doc, you, you, he was you, kn- you know we love you, but you're taking three isolated yeah. examples and saying if Taylor did that, we'd kill him. But Jalen Hurts, I mean, nobody do. has a problem. But Jalen Hurts consistently, game after game after game yeah. after game team. after game yeah. after game yeah. after game, yeah. runs his offense way higher efficiency level than Taylor Heineke. Of course. Yes, because he's gotten given the chance. He was given the keys and said, we believe in you. Well, He wasn't always, quote, interim coach of the year, which is what Taylor has always been. And I think Sam could do very similar stuff to what Jalen Hurts is doing. 
If we put our eggs all in on Sam and get the line and get the, the receivers that we have, which are good receivers, and get a good coach who uses his strength, that's my point. And to say that Jalen Hurts is the best quarterback on the field is ridiculous. Patrick Mahomes runs circles around Jalen Hurts. Well, and Jalen yeah, Hurts I mean, is not bad. I, I, it's just Patrick Mahomes is that good. Yeah, I don't I, think, I don't think there's good. any – Yeah, I mean, uh, if to, to yeah. say Hurts was better than Mahomes last night, I mean, that's um, – you know, but but executives well, around the league should have been MVP even in a loss is crazy. No, I mean it, Mahomes made some huge plays down the stretch. The scramble yeah. at the end obviously was a, a big play uh, as well. So I mean, and remember uh, Taylor did beat Jalen Hurts. Remember that guy, Taylor did beat him. A healthy Jalen mm-hmm. Hurts. So only Taylor and Patrick Mahomes has beat Jalen Hurts. So don't forget that. But now I think it's going to be Sam's time, and I think we're going to beat Philly next year if we get a decent coach in here and a decent offensive coordinator and go with Sam and build our offensive lineup, I think we have a chance. Because that defensive field was overrated all year long. Well, and and, and uh, Kansas City abused them in the second half. Yep, they sure did. Tell your Thank girl, you, tell your girl, girl great job. She killed it on Saturday, oh, I saw. Six threes in the first half. I couldn't believe it. It's so amazing. But thanks, yep. guys. I appreciate it. You got it. Sorry. Ted 23 and there went over. Get it, girl. 82-67. Way to go. Hannah, the official three-point shooter of Russell and Medhurst. Let's go to line two. Our man Jeff's in Vienna. What's up, Jeff? Morning, guys. Shout out to Sabah for her daughter. That's very impressive. Um, before we get on to the NFL officiating fiasco, a couple quick shout outs. Number one, LeBron, when that young lady sat down next to him on <laughs> the Saturday night. That was that great. Was, that's the video of the year. Absolutely the video of the year. And um, big shout out to the ACC reps in Charlottesville on Saturday who finally did not give Duke a win. Right call, wrong call, whatever. That old man not sitting on the bench with his colored black hair anymore. It's amazing what happens when he's not there. John Shire's got to be like, Coach, don't y'all know who we are? We're Duke, by God. Come on. You watch. You watch. Shire's going to come out with jet black hair this week, I'll guarantee. I hope he does. Yeah. <laughs> I hope yeah, he does. Exactly. I hope he comes to the press conference and says, I love Duke. Jeff, you sound like you're a big Duke fan. <laughs> well, Chris, I went to Maryland, unfortunately. Yeah. So. Oh, believe me, I saw, I, seen... I saw, I saw responses from you, uh, Melissa, Larry Russell. They were all, you know, all the all of the anti Duke establishment uh, were raving the fact that the Blue Devils uh, were were really hosed in that situation. So, I, Chris, I, I have seen a lot of bad calls in my day. Yes, some games we deserve to lose, but I've seen a. I can't tell you how many times Shane Battier would take a ball that had already hit the backboard and knock it away from the rim and would not get called for goaltending. It, it was it, it was ridiculous. So, um, I, you know, very enjoyable game. I think you go back to last year's Super Bowl, the AFC Championship game this year, and last night, again, whether the Philadelphia guy admitted it or not, too many people are talking about the officials, just like we all know. Um Jalen Hurts is going to get paid, man. That guy is going to get paid someday. I think there, there's a few contracts between him and, and getting paid, um, even though it just erased that last air ball from the, the last play of the game from his highlight reel. But holy moly, can that guy play. Um, well, like, and that uh, organization is super aggressive. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if you see a Jalen Hurts contract extension like in the next two weeks i was gonna say they can't let him get to next year as far as i'm concerned because that means that the value might the value might even go up even more 
isn't he a year behind Burrow? Was he drafted the same year as Joe? Well, he was drafted in 2020, so yeah, he's the same so year. The same so, year. so he's yeah. eligible now. It's just he's got one, but he's got one year left on his deal because there is no fifth year option because he wasn't a first round pick. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Good for him. I think you know maybe his agents are smart. They're going to see what happens with Joe and see what happens with Lamar. And then go to the Eagles and uh, make sure he gets paid. Um, I like my favorite commercial was I, I will watch Teller and his wife dance around the living room all day long, uh, particularly her. That Bud Light commercial I thought was great. And, oh, yeah, that uh, was good. We'll see what happens with the Thursday night opener next year. It's either going to be Buffalo or the Bengals at Kansas City. And I, I would prefer it to be Buffalo. But uh, we'll, we'll see who comes to town for the Thursday night uh, open. Being that Buffalo opened up against the Rams last year, I would think the NFL would want somebody a little bit different and a rematch of the AFC Championship the last two years seems to make the most sense. So I would yeah, pro- the, the Eagles are in KC next year too, but I don't think they want a rematch of the Super Bowl on opening. I, I will, Jeff, I will say this, though. The only caveat I would say is if for some reason, some reason, Aaron Rodgers ended up out with the Raiders. I could oh, see yeah. Raiders Chiefs on opening Good night call. if something like yep. that happened as well. So Yeah. Yeah. So, great. Have a great Monday, right, thanks, guys. Jeff. Good to talk see to you. you. Like you like always. Uh you know me, Russell. I, I am Captain Hoodie, right? Okay. I wear hoodies all the time. Yes, you do. Um my guy Scott Strassmeyer even gave me a little grief Saturday for wearing my hoodie. Or not Saturday, was it Saturday? No, last Wednesday. But Stephen A. Smith this morning rocking the burgundy-colored blazer and the orange hoodie, okay? I now, did see that. That did look a little weird. But I think it looks great. <laughs> I think it looks great. Is is I was more fascinated by the background. That was not the background uh, and the scenery no. that we've seen all week on, on Cold Pizza. It, it was like they were in like some villagey area of Phoenix or Scottsdale. They might be in like a studio right now, or something. It, it, well, I was going to say either they've got a, a, a like a backdrop of to make it look like they're in Arizona. I don't know if they're saying they're in Arizona or not. I'm not sure. Either they have the backdrop of the of the the mountains to make it look like they're in Arizona, or they're literally in the middle of the desert. Because oh, that's, a, I, that's a paper backdrop. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. I mean, I, it just seemed weird. Like why they would. Go back. And by the way, I mentioned this to you before the show. Kudos to uh, Dan Orlovsky, who he actually did make it back. He to New did York. make it back because he <laughs> called the Super Bowl with Levy and Riddick on mm-hmm. like ESPN Australia or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Actually, from the stadium, because there's pictures of them on the sideline at the stadium and, you know, that ESPN put out. And now he's back in New York. He's clearly back in New York. Whereas I don't know if these guys are in some studio somewhere with the with with the mountainous backdrop, or if they made it back to New York and to make it seem like they're in Phoenix still, they put this backdrop. I am MC the sure. Annapolis Touchdown Club banquet as always on Thursday night. Ooh. I want to rock the blazer with the hoodie. Well, I want to do well, that. Gonna, well, you're going to be hanging out with the hoodie, aren't you? I don't know if he's coming. I don't oh. know if they're uh, – I mean, that award is not given every single year. Oh, okay. I've not talked to my guy, Bill Wagner, about the total program yet. But I, I would, if he comes, of course, I would. I sit there and absorb. 
I, I never say a word. I just listen to the discussion, and I get smarter every time he shows up in the building. But you don't wear a hoodie for the hoodie? No, well, he doesn't either. He wears a suit. I know, but he always wears a hoodie. So but that's I want to rock what Stephen A. Smith is rocking this morning. He's doing it on national TV on his show. Uh, yes, I'm all in on that. He's probably cooler than you. He is, and he makes more money than I do, a lot too. More. Right now, to make he has more about money. as I, many jobs as you do. Right now, to make more money, I got to throw it to you for what's trending. All right, we've been wrapping up Super Bowl 57 all morning long. Of course, a lot of the talk centered around James Bradbury's holding penalty on third and eight and incompletion against Juju Smith Schuster. That allowed the Chiefs to get an automatic first down and then kill off the rest of the clock before Harrison Butker's game-winning field goal with 11 seconds left on the clock. Patrick Mahomes, the MVP. Of course, where's Eric Bieniemy going? A big question for us here in the DMV. And on everyone's mind after last night's win and comeback, according to John Kime, as Pete noted earlier this hour, the commanders have indeed reached out this morning to set up an interview with Bieniemy. Nothing is arranged per Kime yet. Uh, but may, may be by the end of the day. So we will see. You heard Jay Gruden's comments at the very end of our conversation. Go to Touchdown at 10 on the Odyssey Rewind feature. Find out where he thinks Eric Bieniemy should go. Hint, hint, it's not Washington. Surprise. Colts set to hire Shane Steichen, the Philadelphia Eagles offensive coordinator, as their head coach caps with a terrible loss yesterday to the San Jose Sharks back home tomorrow night for the Carolina Hurricanes in advance of the uh, uh, stadium series coming up this Saturday. Wizards start a road trip tonight in Golden State, 945 for the pregame right here on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app, and that's what's trending. Super Bowl 57, the game, the commercials, the broadcast, the MVP, all up for grabs this morning. I'm Chris, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go home today because I got a little bit of time between the time the show is over and I got to do a couple of interviews for Navy at 245. You're going to listen to Doc Walker on Burgundy and Gold I, I listen to him and Jackson all the time right. on that show, list, driving home. I'm going to get my black blazer out and I'm going to find a hoodie that'll go with that. Maybe it's this one. I don't know. But this has got a lot of blue in it. So I don't know if black and blue really goes. But I'm going to find a hoodie to go with my black blazer. And I'm going to rock the Stephen A. Smith look, at least for the Instagram folks today. So keep an eye on my Instagram or Twitter later today. I'm going to, I'm going to try and put that together. Because I, I am all in on that look right You're there. You're fascinated by Stephen now, A. Smith's two things. Fashion Maybe apparel. they are outside in some capacity. I don't know. And he's freezing, and that's why he's got it like that. But I am digging the blazer and hoodie look from Stephen A. Smith this yeah. morning. I'm all in. I mean, you know, I'm looking at other things, but... Um, I know. You're you know, infatuated with his co-host, Michael Wilbon. Right, exactly. <laughs> Ryan Clark. Ryan Cl- I love Ryan Clark, by the way. I, I am, I, I'm so over the top on Ryan Clark and the Pivot podcast that they do. Uh, in addition to all of his ESPN work. So let's get to line three. Mark's in Landover Hills. He's been on hold the longest. What's up, Mark? 
Top of the day to both you gentlemen, Chris and Pete. Cock-a-doodle-doo, Mark. Cock-a-doodle-doo to you, Mr. Rooster. <laughs> hey, guys, I thought it was an exceptional game for the fans. I thought it was pretty good overall. Not too many penalties, and I thought it made a pretty good example, like I was telling Matt, of uh, some of the things that you and I, you and you and me and you and I have been talking about is the coaching. And I believe that my hat goes off to my man, Andy Reed and Spags, Steve Spagnolia, because I think that second half adjustment, it was still a good game, but I think that's, that's the reason why they had the end of the game went the way it did. Mark, let me, let me tell you something. Nobody is going to mention Steve Spagnola. I tweeted about him earlier this morning um, and when, when and when we mentioned like Philadelphia, like their defense clearly collapsed in the second half, and there's all sorts of reasons why. Number one, the pass rush, but you heard Jay Gruden's explanation about guys slipping, what have you. <clears throat> but nobody is going to, at least compared to Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, nobody's going to mention Steve Spagnuolo uh, and the job well, his defense did after largely getting carved up in the first half. To do what they did in the second half? To hold that offense to 143 yards and 11 points? Pretty amazing. I agree totally, Chris. And, uh, you know, I guess I'm an oddity for mentioning Spags, but I think he did one heck of a job. And if you look at the first half, man, they played a lot of guys in the box. He took a lot of chances with a double high safety. And it worked out for them, man. They, cause they shut the run down pretty good in the first half. And hey, if it wasn't for Jalen, the game could have been could have could have went the other way, and a few breaks here and there, and penalties and everything. But I think that you know, the, my hats off to those guys with their coaching. And hey, hopefully, guys, with the way things have shifted here over the weekend, maybe uh, we'll get us some good coaching, and we'll have something to look forward to next year. But look forward to talking to you guys about it. And hey, since the season's over, guys, I mean this. Hey, I appreciate the Minister of Fairness candor and the Roosters candor and you guys be talking about this stuff fairly. It makes a difference. And, hey, the best to you and yours, and I'll talk to you guys soon. And take Thanks, care. Thanks, Mark. Mark. Appreciate, appreciate you as always. Now, also, too, keep in mind, okay, keep in mind, if Kez Watkins catches a ball that he probably should catch mm-hmm. on the same route that Brown made a yes. catch on. Yes, you're right. Maybe we're looking at this in a little bit of a different way. Good call. Good okay? call. But also remember, you know, Jalen Hurts and Mahomes both, but Hurts even more than Mahomes, put so much pressure on the defense because you have to account for him. You have to account for him. Mahomes wants to extend the play. He'll run because it was Super Bowl 57 like he did in the fourth quarter last night to make that big play because the game is on the line. Right. Okay. Hurts legitimately is part of their offense, part of their running game, and you must commit a defender to him every time, which is why it puts so much pressure on defenses. And... You know, again, I mean, Kansas City, I thought, did a great job getting to the football. And ironically, Kelly pointed this out, and so did my son, Ryan. Kansas City tackled much better in the second half than they did in the first. They didn't tackle very well in the first half. Uh, Willie Gay, uh, obviously helping Bolton and those guys. I thought they did a much better job uh, in the second half tackling Kansas City was physical uh, on the sideline on the Eagles' first drive that they ultimately Mm -hmm. scored on. A couple of big shots. A couple of big shots. I was, like, thinking they – we're going to get a penalty. But, yes, they're right. You're right. All of that. And and you're right about the Quez Watkins play now. I didn't think. I mean, listen, does a great receiver have to come? 
probably a great receiver has to come up with that. That ball Nobody is should... put in the only place it I can know, be put. But and doesn't Watkins mean it's an easy catch. But doesn't mean it's an easy catch. It's not an easy catch. No, I'm not saying that. I mean, it's Quez Watkins. It's not AJ Brown or Devontae Smith, right? But if you're going to play receiver in this league and you want to stick around for a while. That's a play that you got to make in that situation. I, I understand that, but I, I guess what I would just say is not an. It wasn't an automatic. In my eyes, it wasn't nope. an automatic. Great receivers go make that play though. Final hour of the show is coming up next. It'll be great because you're part of it. 301-230-0980. Super Bowl Fifty Seven. The whole shebang. We'll talk to you next right here on the Team Nine Eighty, streaming live for free on the Odyssey app.